Well, if rents are going up 10% and interest rates are going up 2%, uh, you can see how that might work favorably for us. Mm -hmm. uh, also, with inflation costs, uh, that inflates construction costs, which means new product doesn't get built, especially on the smaller multi-tenant stuff that we do, yeah. uh, which means supply stays tighter, which further leads to more rent growth. This is Durable Value. Get investing and business insights from industry experts and successful entrepreneurs every week. Like and subscribe now. So today we're here to talk about how real estate private equity fits into a portfolio. And maybe we should start by backing up and saying, what is real estate private equity? What do we do? What, yeah. what is the business that we're in? Well, real estate private equity is um, not unlike regular private equity in that rather than focusing on companies, we focus on commercial real estate. Commercial real estate's a an asset class that allows for a reasonable amount of leverage. It's normal, um, and it magnifies. It can magnify returns. It's also what I really like about it is it's pretty straightforward in that we're growing net operating income, and we generally do that by managing expenses exceptionally well. And by driving rent growth. Mm -hmm. And if you do those things and you understand your exit cap rate, um, same as it might be a multiple of EBITDA or something like that for regular private equity, you can drive uh, uh, value creation somewhat quickly. The advantage of working with a group like ours is we are very good at taking a commercial real estate portfolio or an asset along a value creation journey. There are other uh, companies that, or there are other families that might own real estate, lots of people own real estate. A company like ours is very attuned to our investors' goals, namely internal rate of return and equity multiple and creating outcomes uh, that fit those uh, returns. Yeah, and to speak a little bit about value creation, uh, people often think of real estate as a cash flow investment. I buy a piece of real estate and much like a treasury, every month I get a rent check and that's my investment in real estate. And then maybe someday I sell, maybe I never sell. Um, private equity real estate's different. Much like private equity in, in the company space, we're in the real estate space and we are trained to look for um, misalignment in value. Mm -hmm. We're trained to look for, huh, Every other property in this market is at 93% occupancy, and this one's at 84% occupancy. Mm -hmm. And it's arguably as good or better than other assets in the market. You know, when I walk in the building, I notice that, like, the, the frames on the wall are kind of tilted and haven't been cleaned in a while. The paint scheme is old. These are the kind of things that denote potential for value creation. So we're, we're always looking for finding real estate that has built-in value that hasn't been unlocked. And that's why we're not as focused on cash flow. Cash flow is an important measure. We want, because that is our margin of safety, we view cash flow as a margin of safety. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if cash flow is strong after we create value, then it allows us the option to hold on to the property longer if the market isn't giving us the price that we think it's the property's worth. But cash flow isn't the driver because our job is to create cash flow. Yeah. So we're not we're, we're going into properties we don't like buying properties that have no cash flow or negative cash flow 
but but we we uh, we understand that typically we're buying properties that have marginal cash flow because the prior owner hadn't been uh, unlocking the value in that property. We often say that uh, companies reflect their owners. Well, real estate reflects its ownership as well. And just like you talked about walking into a lobby and you've got dusty frames and uh, maybe vacancies higher than it should be, rents are a little lower than they should be. Well, with regular private equity, they might see companies that are managed in a different style than they than they could be. Uh, each company and private equity companies have their flavor. And we're on this discussion. And I think that the real estate we buy and the real estate we manage reflects our, our worldview, so to speak. And so we, um, a, a lot of the value we create uh, comes from leadership. It comes mm-hmm. from uh, increasing the appearance of the asset and then driving uh, rent growth uh, through better operation. Yeah, I, I love you mentioned that, you know, real estate or a company reflects its ownership. And what's interesting about that is every firm is different. So even though two firms can come into a market and say that multifamily property, it's under market rents, it's poorly amenitized, it hasn't been upgraded in a while, they can both identify those same things. Mm -hmm. But one company has one flavor and culture of how they do it, and another one has a different one. Yeah. And arguably, our how we approach properties, you know, this is kind of gets into the quantity or the qualitative or the touchy feely is we approach, I think the world in kind of an open mind frame, mm-hmm. not a um, kind of dog eat dog survival, of the fittest sort of thing. And, and a, and a bit of an abundance mentality where if I treat people well, good things will happen. Yeah. Our company culture is that way, you know, positive, caring, and humble. If I do well for people, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. And and that's not necessary in our business, but that just happens to be our flavor of what we do. We go into a property and we do the same business plan, but but we have a culture and an ethos of how we do that that I think ultimately yields better results, whether that's better results from a you know psychological standpoint that you know we treat people well and we respect them, but it also translates to tenants that are happier to uh, properties that are have a, a higher pride of ownership. And yeah. ultimately that does relate to return to. Yeah. And that's a really important point. Some people watching this, or uh, certainly as we've gone through the years, it's, we've thought like, well, do you just go and raise rents on everyone? And maybe that's apartments or maybe that's industrial. And the answer is, yeah, rent, rents, rents do go up. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is, uh, we always one key part of our company is we always lead with value. The assets get a lot better before we say, "Hey, that costs money." <laughs> you know, uh, we we lead with the property getting better. And there have been times, uh, in fact, more often than not, where I get we get tenant feedback that's, it's, like on the inside, I'm like, "Well, you know, rents just went up, you know, eight percent. Like, so people are going to be unhappy." But what's what's interesting is often we hear like. They're really happy that we're there because generally we buy assets from owners that were sort of checked out or had held it a long time or just didn't care much anymore. And now it's like, whoa, things like details matter. Customer service matters. Uh, the asset got prettier, nicer. And better. It's, it's a place where they live or it's a place they run their business. 
but it became a better mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And um, often when we sell assets, people are like, oh, I can't believe you guys are, you're the best owner this building's ever had. Mm-hmm. So we, we hear things like that and that, um, it's surprising, but there is that dimension. Yeah. Part of it's like, who's your customer? And the customer of the building that we're buying may not be the, the customer that we want once we make the building amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, that's, a, that's a different podcast, I guess. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> so then how does that relate into uh, what an investment in private equity real estate looks like? You're investing in an operator. Yeah. It, you're, we should be, you, should be, you should be thoughtful to say, uh, disassociate the asset class with the execution. Like on the one hand, you should say, like, do I believe in investing in real estate? You know, that's its own discussion. Beyond that, the question is, do I believe in investing in excellent execution in the operator? And I think that when you call some, when you call a firm real estate private equity, you better be speaking about a firm that's that's sophisticated, that has a deep process and practices, that has an excellent staff, that really knows what they're doing. Um, it's the operator that that separates just an owner of real estate versus uh, real estate private equity. Yeah. Let's transition a little bit to kind of talking about the characteristics of that investment. So real estate private equity, it's often called private real estate. Um, and what is meant by that is it's not a public market, right? You know, you can't, like a REIT. Yeah, you can't go on the S&P 500 and buy a real estate investment trust share in private real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has its pros and its cons. Um on the on the pro side, it's a it's an illiquid market, and so that means that you've got potential for market nuances that you can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, the con is also the fact that it's illiquid. When someone invests in private equity real estate, they're sending a check to a company, and when properties are sold the money is coming back. Also quarterly distributions, that sort of thing. So they're receiving quarterly distributions, but then ultimately when properties are sold is when they're seeing their biggest return. Mm -hmm. And so it's out of the investor's control. Uh, Even when they invest, it's a bit out of their control because we have uh, what's called a capital call structure, which is very common in uh, the industry, which is where an investor says, I'm going to commit a million dollars and then we, as the operators, the manager, decide when we're calling that commitment based on when we find good investments that we want to invest in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of times I'll say that uh, think of what we do as money multiplier. That's what we're ultimately focused on. We're not focused on regular quarterly distributions. We do have those, but when we're buying properties, typically they're cash starved. So we're buying properties that have modest quarterly income, but our job is to grow that. Our job is to create that value. And then as we create that value, that's when it's optimal to sell because we've created this value and we want that value to be monetized. So, you know, a person invests a million dollars. They put that money in over periods of a year, potentially, and then they're receiving quarterly distributions. And then over that three to five year period, they're really starting to see that investment come back. We've had some families over the years that have invested with us and needed to live off of the cash flow. Like it was a part of their, uh, you know, 
paycheck to paycheck retirement strategy or something like that. And uh, that is probably not the right fit and could be a cause for frustration. Well, and even if they're uh, thinking of it, well, this is a cash flow investment. I'm going to give you a million dollars and you're going to give me back 600 grand every year like clockwork. That's not our business. Our our business is to receive a million dollars and over the course of three to five years, in lumpy intervals, they receive back two million dollars. Now the good news it's to is multiply. Uh, our our online platform is incredible, and they can see the activity. Uh, our distributions are quarterly, and we distribute on almost every property uh, quarterly. Yeah, um, and yeah. certainly statements are quarterly. So there is that effect, but it is it can be lumpy. Yeah, and the, the happiest customers we have are the ones that. Uh, have been with us for a long time and they invest in two or three years. They Later, four years, they get a big check back and they start... Uh, and they get multiples as we sell and then oftentimes they're, you know, okay, well, what's the next... And so they're layering in their deals yeah. and so that there's closings happening regularly and money they invested a few years ago is maturing and then they might roll that into the next thing, those sorts of... Or next fund, but yeah. th- those sorts of things, so... Yeah, you know, another thing about investing in real estate, uh, especially that we're seeing right now, is uh, correlation to stock market, correlation to inflation. Um, These are, you know, again, when when everything's going well, we have low inflation, we have stock market going up. People don't think about correlation to these as much, but now that, you know, stock market is having a bit of a kind of resetting, and inflation is on the rise, uh, you know, correlation to those becomes important. And uh, in real estate, typically, uh, inflation generally is a good thing. I wouldn't say that... Inflation's great. Yeah, Interest rate growth is That's where is lousy. It, you know, <laughs> that, that with inflation, we often will see that interest rates go up, especially as uh, the Fed tries to combat that. Yeah. The other thing that we see is expense structures go up, right? You know, inflation affects like our debt cost. It, it affects our uh, operating expenses. It affects our construction costs. Um, so certainly on the expense side, uh, inflation is a bad thing. But inflation is a great thing for real estate uh, rental rate growth, and so generally that offsets those uh, detractions on the expense side. When you're an operating business, if you're manufacturing granola, you have this whole issue of I've got to go to the market and, you know, try and reprice, but people are already feeling like they're spending too much and they're having to go down to the next, you know, product in real estate uh, because this is where businesses operate. This is where people live generally. Um, as the as inflation grows, we are able to track with inflation on our rental rates. Well, if rents are going up ten percent and interest rates are going up two percent, uh, you can see how that might work favorably for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, with inflation costs, uh, that inflates construction costs, which means a new product doesn't get built, especially on the smaller multi-tenant stuff that we do. Yeah. Uh, which means supply stays tighter, which further leads to more rent growth. So um, even with interest rates moving, inflation is moving uh, quite a bit more. Yeah. So. And then on the correlation to stock market, 
Um, this, by the way, can be good or bad. It's just a, a fact. Um, real estate tends to be fairly un private real estate tends to be fairly uncorrelated to the stock market. So uh, a year ago, two years ago, when the stock market is doing its rise, real estate has risen as well, but it certainly didn't keep track to the rise that we saw in the stock market. Conversely, converse, well, because of value creation, right? Yeah. You know, that's, but, but, but back know, to private broad, valuation, broad valuation, but conversely, when the stock market has a substantial decline, real estate doesn't directly correspond to that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it is generally real estate values tend to move slower than stock market. Stock market is a daily pricing of value real estate uh, because it's an illiquid asset type it tends to have a slower slower up slower down um, and then as you were kind of alluding to our job is essentially to accelerate the good right yeah so broadly real estate values might be trending up they might be trending down our job in private equity real estate is always to ex- accentuate the value so when the market's going well that means that typically private equity returns are outsized. They're mm-hmm. they're exceptional uh, because we've got market growth plus our ability to create value. But then conversely, on the downside, you know, as, as if broad real estate values are declining, it's private equity real estate that tends to be either declining less or actually growing in the midst of a declining market because. We're not in the business of sitting passively and waiting for the market to to price our real estate. Right. We're in the business of pricing it by adding value. So, what you might say about real estate private equity is equity is you get both a finance company and an operator, um, and that'd be true of sort of traditional private equity. But think of like a hedge fund or a stock investing company. They're uh, having an opinion about what some other company that they don't own. Or generally control control is going to do. Or in a hedge fund, they're taking long and short positions. They're applying leverage in different ways. They're doing, they're applying finance strategies to a different company. Now, in our business, there's going to be less of a focus on the finance side. Certainly, there's a, there's debt and equity. There's uh, various structures there that are important and we are expert in those. But you also have an activist investor, an activist owner, an operator that's going to steer instead of this company, this property, which mm-hmm. is full of lots of smaller companies uh, to its best possible future. So I think the reason to invest in a group like ours is um, number one, we better be very competent on the finance side, which I believe we are. But number two is our ability to execute and operate. And I think we're really good at that. Yeah. So Ryan, when people invest with us, uh, explain how the, a fund works. They're in yeah. Explain what they're investing in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So, uh, you know, they're not investing in individual pieces of real estate one by one. Rather, what they're doing is they're investing in a diversified pool of these properties. So our job is to go out and find what we believe are the properties where we can create the most value and investors are investing in a fund so that that fund ultimately goes out and buys property by property by property until we ultimately have kind of a diverse portfolio of properties. But going back to your prior point, uh, these are properties that we control versus, uh, you know, buying stock positions in companies that we don't control. 
So for example, we're in Grace Data Partners Fund 3 right now. Um, there's probably 10 buildings in Fund 3. There's some multifamily, some industrial, uh, some office, and they're in various stages of the value creation cycle. And various geographies, submarkets, that sort of thing. But what might be interesting to speak to is um, we have a p- portfolio manager that thinks about the overall returns and outcomes of that fund. We have an asset manager that thinks about tactically the value creation that's happening in a one-year span. And then we have property managers that think about uh, collecting the rents and maintaining the assets. And that's a, mm-hmm. you know, we look at the overall fund life, the product we're engineering to create, mm-hmm. and also the specific strategies uh, that we're doing on each property and then the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, you know, private equity real estate is a piece of a person's portfolio. Um, like we mentioned earlier, there are, there are benefits, just like in the stock market, there are benefits to dividend stocks versus growth stocks. And uh, ultimately, depending on the investor's appetite, they have varying amounts of each. Private equity real estate is that money multiplier. It is that high growth, high return. Uh, it, it is not focused on you know regular dividend, although that's a part of what we do. Uh, and and it has a different risk profile. So fundamentally, um, you know, within the the broader portfolio construction of a of a investor, this occupies a space. It occupies the space that has that kind of higher return profile and higher risk profile um, than going out and buying treasuries. Thank you for listening to Durable Value, an investor's podcast, where we demystify commercial real estate with safe, sound investment strategies to help you balance your portfolio. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, visit grisadapartners.com, where you'll find more information, investor's tools, case studies, and more. This podcast is hosted by Joe Miratori and Ryan Suela. It's produced, edited, and mixed by Melodic, with intro music by Ian Post. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.